Hey everybody, this is Brian Bickford from Mainly Matters and the Travel and Tourism Channel. You know that I discuss Maine tourism impacts, adventure and excursion, and what makes Maine vacation land. You know, I'm from Maine, you know, and I've seen so many uh, travel businesses, excursions, um, but also people actually starting their own businesses here. And I think that part of Maine uh, uh, fiber is something that's very important to kind of draw out. You know, this thing called makers, you know, or craftsmen here in Maine, I think it really is an integral part of the experience of being in Maine. So when people come here, being actually introduced to this experience and, and different crafts, maybe craft shops and so forth, I think is part of the tourist kind of uh, experience here in Maine. So I had to find somebody. I not only found somebody, I found somebody really cool and I hope becomes a friend of mine, but her name is Kristen Vermeulen. Hey, Kristen, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Brian. No, this is really exciting because you've done the work. Now, now Kristen has done, um, you know, a lot like PR. She's done all kinds of stuff here, not only in the United States, but worldwide. And so she comes here not only as a mom, as an MBA, but so she also comes here because she cares. She cares about man. She cares about these craftsmen. So she started a show. She started a podcast to kind of focus on these makers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, Man, I guess it's been a, about almost three years now um, that I started a podcast called Makers of Maine originally. And I started it at the uh, peak of the pandemic. Um, I just had my second child. And at the time, I'm um, a full-time publicist and I lost all my clients. And I was like, oh, how am I going to continue to work? Like, I can't be a full-time stay-at-home mom. You know, I respect those moms that do that. My goodness, I know they have their hands full and busy, busy. And I just wanted to do something that was a little bit more creative and within my skill set. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to start a podcast about uh, my clients, which are typically makers um, from across Maine. Um, over 99.2% um, uh, are here, and I'm um, sorry, I'll have to repeat that. Over 99.2% of small businesses uh, make up our business economy here in Maine, and it's unbelievable. And I wanted to share these stories because I help some of these businesses with PR, but at the same time, I wanted to get to know other businesses and makers in the area. And I feel like to, to do that, I wanted to do it for a long Form content platform, a podcast, and fill that niche because at the time there wasn't anything out there that I knew of that mm. really touched on this, especially here in Maine. Yeah. Um, so it lifted off and it got a lot of substantial growth in terms of interest, a lot of listeners. And then I was on Good Morning America to talk about my storytelling and how I started it here in Maine. So it's been growing substantially and I'm very honored to be telling stories of remarkable uh, men and women um, doing their craft. You know, I've got to really, I've got to thank you so much. Cause you know, kind of, kind of highlighting and supporting your crafts people here in Maine is really important that you took the time. And I, I kind of read something about you, how it really was kind of like um, a small hobby and then boom, it became just something kind of <laughs> bigger than yourself in a sense. And so I appreciate that because I think drawing on that and highlighting those efforts, I'm always looking for good things, even to like as a, as a gift or, or something that's practical, you know, that cause, cause Maine people have a strong back you know they, they 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 know how to resource and how to build things so you know who so who are these makers you know what is this this small business economy that's happening not only in maine but in the united states what who are these people so my term of maker is very broad uh and going into this podcast 
Well, I wanted to focus on folks that crafted things with their hands. There's also other people that I believe are makers, such as musicians who go about a creative process and putting uh, pen to paper and writing down lyrics and l- focusing on melodies. And there's a, such a process behind that, you know, craft. And I feel like music in and of itself is. Um, there's photographers and videographers that go about a craft and the inspiration and how to pull content and how to capture, you know, folks that are making things with their hands. <laughs> I, I really wanted to hone in on all types of creatives all over the world. Um, But particularly, let's start here in the States because I feel like there is definitely something missing in terms of, you know, that American-made aspect um, in all the creative minds. And And it's not just, you know, creatives. It's also people who create unique experiences. So, like, I interviewed a captain of a tall ship because they go and make a unique experience. And there's a whole process and story behind that. So I just love telling good stories. That's the ultimate goal in this podcast. It's really just good stories about makers of all sorts across the nation. But it started in Maine, and that will always be my home. And that's that's where I live. So, (laughs) of course, that resonates with me. (laughs) We love that of you. We love that of you. And, you know, and here's the thing, too. Let's use this example. This thing called Seabags. And this started, you know, the story behind this. Tell us the story about that and how that is a good example of of starting out with a concept and then growing it to several stores. Tell me about that. Oh, man. Well, I actually used to work for Seabag. Oh, I was their okay. PR and marketing manager. Mm-hmm. Um, right when I moved up here to Maine, that was actually the reason why I moved to Maine. Um, I'm a sailor and I, I totally resonate with their products because mm. I um, appreciate what they're doing and taking recycled sailcloth and turning it into a remarkable product where you can carry it along with you for the ride, whether it be a handbag or a bucket bag or a wallet. And uh, it's something that I think holds true to anybody who's in the uh, nautical marine lifestyle and especially sailing. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of people resonate with memories. So people go and take their sails that, you know, they went sailing on the water with their dad at a young age and really making those memories turn back to life Mm. and carrying it along with you. It's a remarkable and a very emotional thing. Mm. So I feel like with sea bags and what they have done is not just from a sustainability perspective, but it's also taking um, people's stories and memories and putting into something else. And I think that would truly hit home for me in particular. And they are such a remarkable company in terms of making craft because they have a a whole team of stitchers, a whole team um, that takes um, the designs and puts it on the sailcloth. They have a whole marketing team. Like they've grown so much. I believe Mm -hmm. they have well over 100 employees now they have well over uh, over uh, 30 retail shops across yeah. the nation yeah. and um so to see that growth happen um it's it's amazing and they really stick to their their values and keeping it made in maine so let's and go, i yeah, love great. that that's what <laughs> i do too you know and that's that i love that energy that you're you're kind of expelling here but you know let's talk about that that dna of that person that starts in their basement or they start with their family and they have a, they have an idea that maybe it's just a local idea but talk Talk about who are those people? What's the DNA? What's the similarity of these kind of craftspeople? Yeah, so I would say that, man, I don't really define like mm-hmm. DNA when it comes to defining a maker, right. but you know, I will say there's plenty of examples. So for instance, you know, I had a um, lovely uh, studio tour and conversation with Aaron Flett, who's a renowned uh, textile uh, graphic designer artist um, in the Gorham area. Mm-hmm. And she goes and handcrafts uh, handbags, wallets with her beautiful artwork. She just came out with a spring collection. It's phenomenal. And 
She now has well over 30 employees. She's been in business for over 10 years. But the reality in taking a step back, like when she first started this business, it was out of her home in her basement where her husband was helping her with the silk screen printing and like really coming up with beautiful fabrics Mm -hmm. to include into beautiful products. And her daughters were at a young age would go and visit her at the mill, which was her first studio space and just be there seeing their mom work her butt off to create something that's so compelling. So I feel like every maker is different when it comes to their DNA and where they came from, what their experience is. And I think that's why I wanted to start this podcast. It's just each story, I think, really would resonate with anybody. Mm. And um, I think that's what I like to do is sh- like hone in on the community aspect of it. Mm-hmm. While um, there are makers who are competitors or makers that may have a different story, they all appreciate one another and they all help one another, especially here in Maine. And yeah. that's something that I find truly of value. And I think that will never go away. I think yeah. the makers community here is very, very important and very supportive of yeah. one another. Well, that's great. You know, and you know, you and I have some overlap, and you know, my my focus really is that um, that's that uh, tourism um, experiential kind of swim lane here in just in Maine, and um, you know, so let's talk about how that maker, the experiential component, can really play into resorts and and uh, and, and hospitality uh, here in Maine, and how that could benefit some of these, uh, you know, this this tour channel. Yeah, that's a great question. Mm. So when I first started the podcast, I actually partnered up with Maine Craft Association, which is a nonprofit here in Maine that really lifts up voices of makers, gives them support resources, um, financial assistance, uh, marketing assistance. And I found out that they did a Maine Craft Weekend, first weekend of October every year. And I said, you know, I really want to help them with this event because I've never heard of it before. And I really want to showcase, like take a walk in the shoes of somebody who's going to go and visit, you know, these studios. It's a weekend where people just go and care about the makers and go to Maine specifically to visit these studios. So that's what I did. I went and interviewed about five makers across Maine. I mean, I went to Ellsworth went to uh, all the way to Limington. Uh, I went all over the place. Mm -hmm. And what was amazing is that as I was doing this journey, telling these stories, snapping these pictures, you know, just expressing this through social media as well as my podcast and telling the journey, I said, man, there is, we're missing something here. We're missing this aspect of seeing culture and lifestyle in this maker's community in any state, not just Maine. And how can we show that more in travel tourism? Because I mm-hmm. feel like there's a shift. Yeah. You know, Maine is such a hot spot, you know, and a lot of hotels here are getting booked solid yeah. in terms of, you know, the summertime and fall time. Mm-hmm. So how else can hotels showcase a unique experience along the lines of keeping it Maine? So after I went through this whole experience with Maine Craft Weekend, which I still am a huge part and support of, mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm going to go and partner with a hotel and I want to find a hotel that would really just get what I'm, what I'm going towards in terms of like really supporting makers, creating events behind it, maybe offering excursions to go and visit these studios. So anyways, I created this relationship with Cliff House Resort in Agonquip mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the biggest resorts in Maine right. and beautiful location. And 
So I talked to their marketing team and saying, hey, I know you guys do care about the main community and the maker community. And I would really like to help build your events programming around doing workshops with makers where we do hands-on experiences, where we do candle making, where we do basket weaving, where we do knife making. Mm -hmm. And we get the guests that are a part of Cliff House. The majority of the guests are outside of Maine. So this is perfect Mm -hmm. because you're introducing something unique and creative while in line with the main brand. Yeah. So that's what we did together. And we have our very first collaborative makers market happening at the end of April, April 24th. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really excited to have over 30 makers there just representing their craft, representing their products, um, and sharing their story to people. I, I think that's what it's all about. And I hope to grow that even more, not just in Maine, but outside of Maine as well. Yeah, you know, to your point too, it's not that they need to have more guests because they're booking up, but what they need is loyalty. They need those experiences that people go home with. You know, back in the day that we all went to summer camp, we came home with a basket or something like that. We still have those baskets. Our, our moms or whatever put them up on a shelf. You know, but right. those things still, it transcends even into adult life, you know. And so so, um, hey, hey, Kristen, you're not, I'm not sure if I told you, but I have a superpower. Do you want to know what it is? What is it? It is um, identifying and, uh, and, 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 and cheering on really cool people who are going somewhere. I think that's you. Okay. <laughs> so I think my guests want to know more about, let's, unra- let's just learn more about you. Who are you? Who are you? Where'd you, where'd you come from? And where, oh, yeah, where are you? Let's just talk well, about I you I am for a not a Mainer. I am from away. Okay. Disappointing, I know. But I'm originally from Maryland. Oh. I grew up in a town called Ellicott City. Small town. Um, I, that's where really my love of making crafts started. Um, I worked at an antique shop in downtown Ellicott City. Supported many small businesses in the area um, that, you know, were either artists or photographers. And just getting to know their craft at such a young age. It was, it was amazing. I'm, I'm such an outgoing person. I love to have mm-hmm. conversations with people. And a lot of people had said like, you do very well in pulling a story out of somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was like 13 at the time. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like, okay, thanks. I don't know if that's a compliment, yeah. but you know, yeah. I, you know, I am a talker. Yeah. Um, so, you know, born and raised there, um, you know, traveled all over the world, went to Europe and such outside of college at event planning for a little while. And Mm -hmm. that's when I started to notice, too, in visiting particular Germany, that they have these outside markets every winter that showcased makers. I mean, folks who made nutcrackers, folks who made like desserts that just are amazing or glutamine, Mm -hmm. hot wine with like, you know, awesome cinnamon and herbs. Mulled mulled wine. Yeah, the mulled wine. Yeah. And, you know. I was like, man, I'm like, we don't have anything like this as far as I know of (laughs) over here in the States. And, you know, that just kept continuing. So my whole journey has been like seeing this. And then, you know, I made my way up here to Maine and I've been here for about four years now and probably a little bit longer than that now, but I live in Cumberland, love Maine. I will never leave Maine. Mm -hmm. And what I learned. We won't let you leave. We're not going to let you leave, by the way. Okay. We're going to keep you here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, oh, I know. I'm mm-hmm. still getting used to the temperatures. Mm-hmm. Still getting used to the temperatures. <laughs> never very, did. very cold up here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, so as I'm, you know, exploring sort of the lay of the land here, mm-hmm. I noticed and I've heard through others that the small business community was substantial everywhere you went in Maine. Yeah. And Maine's a pretty big state. And 
I was like, man, how can I, can I, how can I wrap my brain around this? Like, how can I support? How can I give back? So I started my own business here. I never, ever thought I knew one day, maybe with my MBA, my time, you know, spent, you know, working with the federal government. I worked Mm -hmm. for national security agency for seven years Mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, I don't want to be in, you know, a dry material career anymore. Like it was very just material that I just couldn't stand. Because and I think I think once you're a spy, it's hard to go back to normal life, right? Tell oh, us the it truth. Is. Tell us the truth. <laughs> it is. Like, you know, I think that you get into a place in your career and in your life where you're like, I really want to do something that's of value to others, of value to myself. Um, And I feel like with me building two businesses and then also seeing other people build their businesses alongside me, it's amazing. And I don't think, I mean, I love Maryland. Don't get me wrong. They Mm -hmm. have some great makers down there, but I don't know if I ever would have had the opportunity to start my own business down there. I think it's very competitive. There's a lot of people down there. Maine is a little bit smaller and more support, Mm -hmm. I think, as a community. So that's how I wound up here. You know, I started at Seabags, made my way into um, starting my own businesses while having like two kids (laughs) and, you know, tending to the home life. It's crazy. Um, But, you know, yeah, it's been great. I'm super blessed to be here. And, um, you know, I'm still a publicist and supporting, you know, businesses. I have this podcast. My podcast is being turned into a television show. There's just a lot of things happening. So let me just, yeah, let me me tell you that, um, first of all, when you give back to Maine, we elevate your um, your native status, okay? Because sometimes they say it takes 25 years to become a Mainer, right? Which is not true. Right. But, but because you're doing all this great work for, for Mainers and you're focusing on us, you are us now. So I'm going to talk to the governor after the show, okay? Make sure that you're kind of <laughs> elevated up there. A key, to the, a key to the state or something. We'll try to work it out. But hey, listen. Um, hey, guess what? This is a part that I didn't tell you. But I actually, if you listen to my podcast, I actually do. This is the game show portion of my show. And I have three questions oh. for you. I have a series of judges off to my right side. They'll be listening and trying to judge each one of your answers. I have three. Are you, are you, are you ready, Kristen? Are you ready to go? Oh, man, I'm nervous, but I'm okay. ready. Let's right. do this. Question number one, how important is the arts for boys and girls in high school? Oh, man, the arts. Jeez. Oh, man. So I would say it's very important. My goodness, at a young age, um, when I was in school, my parents said that I had to learn a musical instrument and keep going and taking lessons mm-hmm. because that was something that was missing in my like life in terms of creativity. Yeah. I always played sports, but I never really got into like creativity. And they said, you know, playing the piano, maybe like artwork, even though I cannot draw, I cannot paint. Oh my goodness. I don't know how artists do it, but I can't. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I feel like the music side of things was so important to me and I'm very blessed in the way I was raised because I don't think I would have gotten that opportunity. Yeah. I, I really am yeah. thankful for my mom and dad for show showing me that. And, you know, nowadays, unfortunately, I've been hearing in school programs because my kids are a little too young to be in public schools right now or mm-hmm. even private, but um, that some of those classes are being taken away. Yeah. And that's a very disappointing thing to me. I, I feel like that is a huge loss Um, and I think that's something that you need to do. You have to do something with your hands or do something with your brain in Mm -hmm. terms of creativity, just Mm -hmm. so that way 
it, it gives you a light. It gives you soul. I, I think that's what it's given me personally. And I mm. want my kids to do the same thing. Yeah. So I'm getting into uh, arts with them at a very early age. Mm-hmm. And I hope that continues for the rest of our life. So I'm looking at my desert right now. They're all holding up signs saying 100% right. You're, you're doing good so far. You're one for one. <laughs> they also are mentioning, oh, somebody just slipped me a note. And it says that this also is the gateway to becoming a, a, a real prominent craftsperson. So that's, that's good. So you, you articulate that well. Okay. This is, they get harder as they get going. Okay. So here's oh, question number two. Who makes the best pepper jam in Maine? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Careful. There's a lot of politics around this. There's a lot of po- damage your entire. Yes. Who makes the best pepper? I told you this is not going to be easy. Not giveaways. I know. This is hard. No, yeah. No. Because I, I mean, I support so many makers mm-hmm. that I can't go and just silo one. Like, right. you know, I've tried we're looking for tons one. of different we're looking, products. We're looking for one. Just one. Yeah. I'm like, I, ooh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think you're going to have to tell me about this one. Yeah. I, I can't just sell one out. Like I know so many makers that do this. Throw it out. Throw it out. <laughs> do it. Do it. Nothing. Can't get you on it. Nothing. You tell me. You get me. Give me, just give me something, something. Uh, National brand, local brand, whatever. Best pepper. I don't know. I think I'm stumped. I'm stumped. Okay. No matter what you said, you're going to be wrong anyways, because it's mumble. I know. I am. I know it. it. I'm being set up a failure. <laughs> it, it is. Get ready. Wait for it. Wait. It's Mama Bickford's. Mama Bickford's. That's my mom. She made the best. Really? Yeah, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She just did. She don't. I haven't heard of that. No, you probably didn't, but I just want to throw it out there. So you, you got Ooh. one for one. You got one for one. Number. Okay. okay question number three. Okay. Now, this too, okay. this too can be challenging in a political way. Okay. What is the difference between New England clam chowder and Manhattan clam chowder? Oh. This may impact your status here in Maine, by the way. Is it. <sighs> Man, this is going to be embarrassing if I don't know this, but um, I'm just going to give it a shot. So how about potatoes? Because I think there's potatoes included in uh, New England clam chowder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. I've never had Manhattan clam chowder yeah. before. Okay. I'm looking at my judges right now. They're going to give you actually 75% of a whole answer only because you don't, they said that you don't know and never had Manhattan clam chowder. They say that is a good thing. Right. So the difference, so they, they're giving you almost a one point on this. So you're doing pretty good. It's actually um, the uh, the Manhattan is a is a tomatoey uh, brothy base, and uh, the oh, New England is more of a creamy base. My other so yeah, yeah, so you've done well. I mean, I've had a lot of people that just haven't done well in these these games. But you no, know, thank you for playing along. You win nothing, and uh, it's uh, you know it's the credibility does not decline whatsoever. So you're fine on that. So let's <laughs> let's circle back to you again. Like hold on. So now from the makers of Maine to the makers of the U.S. Say what's going on here? So, as of June of last year, I announced uh, my official uh, expansion in the podcast, and uh, the reason to that is because when I was on Good Morning America and announcing, you know, my project here in Maine, and the goal was to get to national. I didn't think it was going to happen that soon. Um, I got a lot of um, responses from that segment. People from all over the nation, like Virginia, Florida, Connecticut, California, Alaska, uh, Hawaii. And they were like, hey, when are you going to come out and see us? When are you going to start telling stories about makers in our community? 
And I was like, man, I was like, this is amazing. Like I, I'm dying to get to know these people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was honored that they <clears throat> reached out. And, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to be strategic. I'm going to keep going with the main stuff because I was all, I was very like new at it still. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it kept growing and growing and growing. And I was like, okay, good. Like I'm at a good spot with me that'll continue. I'm going to start thinking about expansion. But I told myself, I was like, okay, the, the kind of the inspiration going into this whole thing was a YouTube series that Balvini Whiskey um, sponsored uh-huh. um, called Raw Craft. It was it's a YouTube series um, that Anthony Bourdain hosted, actually, right, right uh-huh. before his passing. And um, I loved it. Loved every single minute of it. Love him as a host. Gosh, I could never be a host like him. He's mm. remarkable. I, and, I, doubt, um, I doubt that, but go ahead. Yeah, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, he interviewed an amazing gentleman um, that – his story is just so compelling. He crafts chef's knives and this work of art that he includes on his chef's knives, like so detailed, very intricate. And his chef's knives are worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. They're collector's items. And, uh, and I was like, man, I would love, I would love, love, love to interview this gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be honored. I mean, this guy's been on food network, all this stuff. So like, but then I kept thinking, oh, but if I interview him, he's going to tell me the same story. Well, I did a little digging on him. Um, and I was like, if I'm going to interview him, if he agrees to it, I want to know more about his pastime before he became a chef's maker. And I want to know his pastime of how he was a clown. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I was like, what? You were a clown before you were a chef's <laughs> knife maker? Like, what's the story there? Yeah. So, um, by the way, there's nothing worse than a clown with knives, clown with knives. Oh, I know. (laughs) It is kind of scary, right? It is kind of scary. Oh yeah. He's probably got that comment like every once in a while for sure. (laughs) Oh man. It's like Chucky. Oh yeah. yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like a a crazy moment uh, or crazy. Yeah. Thing to visualize. But anyways, so, um, I reached out, like practically cold called him. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I know I emailed him and I said, hey, you know, I'm Kristen, got this podcast, blah, blah, blah. He emails me back. He's like, let's set up a phone call. I'd like, love to chat with you. It was the most amazing conversation. Mm-hmm. Very down to earth. Um, he agreed to do an interview and he introduced me to another maker that's a part of my Washington series. So anyways, I'll, I'll, like, long story short, I decided to broaden my network to mm-hmm. make my podcast makers of the USA because of him. Mm-hmm. So I'm very honored. Um, and I just needed to do it. So I went and traveled all the way to Washington state to go and interview him along with a couple other makers. And it felt great. It's oh. something that I've always wanted to do. I'm a traveling podcaster. I want mm-hmm. to visit the places. It's the best way to get a raw story out of somebody and yeah. then to see what they're doing, like yeah. see the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that Makers of the USA is definitely something that I think people love and gravitate towards. And, you know, and then at the same time while I was out there, um, I got a phone call from a major television network uh that wants to turn my podcast into a television show and wow. right now i'm kind of in the beginning stages of that i'm still in the works um i never ever thought that i would be turning this into a television show because <clears> i'm all about podcasting and that long form content because i truly right. value it and believe in it mm-hmm. but i'm like you know i think this might be a good project to work on because i feel like in order to best tell stories and get a broader reach and a big, you know, diverse set of audience in terms of like viewers and getting to know craft. Cause that's what I'm all about in terms of my subjects and my interview. I like diversity. Right. And, um, 
so I think this is the way to go. And um, it's a little hard. I mean, imagine like you taking your podcast and putting it on a television show. Like yeah. you have to ma- make sure it's timely, making sure you're capturing the visual aspects of mm-hmm. it. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I'm really blessed with the people that I partner with on this because I, I probably wouldn't be doing this um, well, I, if I, I, I didn't partner with the right people. Well, you know, I think you're, you're just the kind of person that's going to dig and make it all easy and make it fun around people and stuff. So I get that sense that it's going to go just fine. But hey, um, so how do you go about selecting uh, a person for your show? Or you know, what, what are the makers? Is there a certain type? Because you said this guy is something you knew about him. You said he was doing something amazingly unique, but he also had a backstory. But who, who do you, how do you select? select your uh your guest a great question um so i would say it's definitely more word of mouth mm-hmm. and who identify you know as a maker because while i love the guys who have such popularity and have their voices out there and everybody knows their story it's already been told right. so i'm like okay i want to dig a little deeper mm. and find ones that have like a like a hidden gem to their story or like they're a hidden gem in and of itself because mm-hmm. they just haven't gotten their voices out there yet. Um, so I would say it's definitely word of mouth. It's also, you know, through nonprofits I work with like Minecraft Association, particularly here in Maine and identifying makers that I never would have known about or, you know, nobody else has heard of and mm-hmm. they just need help lifting up their voice. But I would say too that it's nice to have a publicity background because I help prep my guests to tell their stories. So I go and give them some questions to like dig a little deeper into their stories and make sure they're comfortable in expressing their story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people are all for it. Some people aren't. So it's being very strategic in a way of comfort and who's a good personality to have on a podcast. Because as you know, podcast is very conversational. You have to be very open and engaging. And that's the best subject to have on a podcast. (laughs) Rather than somebody who's very closed off, it's really hard. Um, That's why I like to be in person because it's like, oh man, I get to see their faces, to see them light up or, you know, see sometimes they're maybe down and talking about something, talking about the challenges. Like there's so much to that story. And so I would say it's definitely um, research, working with a network. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, I find that the best stories that I've done so far mm-hmm. is how, you know, interviewing makers or subjects that I've already interviewed and they go and introduce me to that other maker that's completely different than theirs. Like, yeah. for instance, when I was in Washington State and I interviewed the chef maker, he introduced me to an organ maker, kind of similar in craft in terms of metalwork, right. but completely different products. I mean, mm-hmm. completely different. Right. And it, it, it's just interesting to hear this because people know about other makers because they're mm-hmm. interested and doesn't have to align yeah. with what they're doing. Um, so I find that is the best way to find new subjects. And yeah. I hope I continue that. I think it's the networking. The network is huge. Yeah, it is. You know, there's all kinds of possibilities. In fact, you were just saying about, you know, going from Maine to USA, broadening that, but I also see an element that, um, you know, maybe it's international as well. You see, you know, kind of, cause people want to know, oh, they want to yeah. see things they haven't seen before. So I see a future for you without a doubt, but Hey, listen, give us some advice here. Give us our listeners, our, our tour operators, you know, tourist, um, what the, what, what t- tell them what they should want and they should be looking for in their tour operators when it comes to makers. Mm, 
Go visit studios. Go see them doing their craft. Because mm-hmm. I find that while um, I appreciate the small businesses that offer curation of makers' products and they do that very well in a storefront, I think that's remarkable. But I feel as though in order for you to mm-hmm. best understand that product, you have to hear it from the voice, right. from the person who is actually doing it. So I always suggest you know, reaching out to that studio if they're offering tours, an open house, or maybe you'll get an exclusive tour just because that maker is so honored that you're wanting to see their product and mm-hmm. how it comes to life. Mm-hmm. They're going to take the time to do that. Yeah. I've already seen it on my end. And I, I know I'm a media outlet, but I mean, I feel like if I wasn't, they'd still do it. Yeah. I think that people are truly respect people who care about their product because they put the blood, sweat, and tears into their craft every single day. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that if you go and visit their studios, like see it in real life, real time, mm-hmm. that would be great. And then also there's tons of markets in the area where makers go and bring their craft and tell their stories there. So I feel like there's two ways of doing it, visiting studios and then, you know, going to markets, hoping that there's a market around for that weekend that you're visiting me. That's, that's great advice. And hey, listen, Kristen, we thank you so much for being on the show. Tell us, tell our viewers where they can find more about you. Um, you can visit my website at makersoftheusa.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Makers of the US and Facebook, Makers of the USA. Um, and then on any podcast channel, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher. There's so many podcast platforms out there. You can yeah. find me there. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find my storytelling. Great, great. Kristen, uh, CEO of Makers of the USA, mother, MBA, creative visionary. I'm just impressed. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian, for everything. I love your podcast, love what you're doing. And I look forward to uh, having another conversation in the future. Well, we'll be watching for you. Hey, everybody, this is Brian Bickford of Mainly Matters, the travel and tourism channel. Good night, everybody. Thank you. 